In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is a chilly morning on October 17th, 2021. And last night, Atlanta United posted its ninth shutout in a 2-0 victory against Toronto at BMO Field. With the win, Atlanta United moved from 8th place into 5th with 42 points in the race for the playoffs. The top seven teams will qualify. Atlanta United has five games remaining, starting with NYCFC on Wednesday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It figures to be the toughest remaining game for the five stripes. Some of that might depend upon how today's game between NYCFC and Red Bulls go. Red Bulls is also uh, remains on the schedule for the five stripes. So quickly going over the standings, because they are important. New England has secured first place and will likely win the Supporters' Shield, which goes to the team that finishes the regular season with the most points, with 66 points. Nashville is in second with 48. Philadelphia is in third with 46. Orlando is in fourth with 45 after its win yesterday. Atlanta is in fifth with 42. D.C. is in sixth with 41. Montreal is in seventh with 41. NYCFC is in eighth with 40. And then you have Red Bulls and Columbus tied with 37. They are not out of the playoff race yet. Columbus just took Inter-Miami, which is playing for nothing, to the woodshed uh, with a 4-0 win yesterday. It's going to be a fun, fun final stretch of the season. Not to sound like the Premier League announcers who constantly talk about how great the Premier League is, but it should be a fun, fun finish uh, to the end of the Eastern Conference season. Nashville, I think, is going to be too tough to catch. Uh, Philadelphia could be tough, could be caught. The importance is the teams that finish second, third, and fourth uh, get to host a first-round playoff game. Uh, Atlanta United really, really wants to host a first-round playoff game because it is eight, three, and three at home compared to three, six, and six on the road this season. And overall, at home, it is forty-six, fourteen, and fifteen at home compared to twenty-five, thirty-three, and eighteen on the road. So you could see why it wants to finish at least fourth and grab that playoff home slot. So, let's go over the game from last night. The goals were scored by Luis Araujo in the second minute of added time, just before the first half. It was a bit of a lucky strike. He admitted that afterward. It was tough to tell at first live action. It looked like he tried to chip the ball over goalkeeper Alex Bono from about six yards. But then when they zoomed in on the camera, you could see that he actually scuffed the shot a little bit and got a lucky result. He admitted after the game that that's not how he meant to hit it. He did get lucky, 
but he pointed out rightly that he's also hit some shots really, really well that didn't go in, so he didn't mind taking this one. Um, that was his second goal this season. It was assisted by George Bello and Ezekiel Barco, who played a nice one-two combination between each other for that goal. And then the second goal was scored in the seventh minute of added time at the end of the second half by Marcelino Moreno, who ran on to a pass from Alan Franco, uh, dribbled past Michael Bradley as if he wasn't there, which is often the case, and then hit a right shot from about 18 yards back across into the lower left corner. Uh, that was his, I think it's his eighth goal this season. Let me look that up super fast. I don't want to get that wrong because he's having a great year uh, for Atlanta United. He's been quiet in the previous few games, uh, but really, really came to play in in this one. Uh, that is his eighth goal, yes, this season. Um, now, there was a bit of controversy because Ezekiel Barco did receive a red card after he and Otto Jr. went head-to-head following a kind of a stoppage on play and a scuffle between the teams because of an idiotic action made by Josie Altador. Gonzalo Pineda said he wanted to rewatch it on film. He didn't think it deserved a red card. Frankly, the, the referee lost control of the game a long, long time before that. <clears throat> I didn't know too much about this referee in particular, and he was trying very, very hard in the first opening minutes to kind of put his authority on the game including make it Atlanta United move a ball uh, in its own third back five yards for a free kick as if it, moving it up five yards was going to make it any more dangerous. Um, that kind of just silliness from the referee. So we'll see if Atlanta United appeals. It has successfully appealed one red card this season, which was given to Jake Mulraney. Really the only other one that I think it could have considered appealing was the Joseph Martinez red card against Victor Wanyama. At Montreal, you know, y'all disagree with me on that, but Martinez deserved a red card based upon the rules. He did hit Wanyama in the face, whether it was accidental or reflexive. It doesn't matter. It's an automatic red in soccer. Uh, the team didn't say if it uh, uh, if it did try to appeal the red card. And part of its secretive processes that it sometimes likes to maintain for whatever reason. Uh, but we'll know probably on Tuesday when the disciplinary committee issues its decisions as to whether Barco is going to be available or not. That doesn't really help Atlanta United very much because, of course, it plays on Wednesday and it's got a plan on whether it's going to have him or not. So I assume that Pineda is going to plan on Barco not being there and then they will go from there. Uh, the team could get a boost by the return of Joseph Martinez. Pineda said yesterday that Martinez should rejoin the team for training today. His status will remain day-to-day. Martinez did not travel to Toronto. He, I, I had wrongly written on uh, Friday that he didn't play against Montreal. I'd totally forgotten that he did play in the first half. He just didn't do much uh, before he was subbed off. Uh, so I apologize for that. Uh, but we could see his return for Wednesday's game against NYCFC. So let's go through the stats real quick from last night before I get into y'all's Questions. We only got a couple of questions, so this is not going to be that long of a podcast. Um, looking at the screen from left to right here, Toronto with 15 shots to Atlanta United 7. Toronto put four on goal to Atlanta United's 9. Shots from inside the box, Toronto 6 to Atlanta United's 8. Atlanta United won 51 duels compared to Toronto's 31. Toronto had more passes. Uh, passing accuracy was around 86%, and actually Toronto had more of the possession, 54% to Atlanta United's 47. 
Um, but that's because in the second half, Toronto was chasing the game more and it controlled the ball a lot more. I thought uh, a couple of standouts from the game last night, aside from the goal scorers, I thought Mateus Uzetu had a fantastic game for Atlanta United. He and Santiago Sosa were supposed to be playing as the double pivot. But with Marcelino Moreno kind of drifting around, Rosetu had to be the guy to kind of step up in that uh, space on the pitch. And he did a really good job. He ended up leading the team in chances created last night with three. George Bello, Araujo, and Moreno had two each. And then a slew of guys had one. Coffee break. Um. Marcelino Moreno put four shots on target to Arajo's three. Barco had one, and Sosa had one. Those came in the first half. They were both 30-yard efforts. When Atlanta United's offense really kind of struggled again in this false nine thing that they're trying to do. Um, we'll see if that continues. It, it's had mixed success. They've got two wins when they've started, or two out of three games when they've started with it, they've won. Um and then they have it hasn't worked so well in a couple of the other games. But it's in the eye of the beholder. If they're creating chances, then Pineda's probably going to stick with it. But if Martinez starts on Wednesday, they won't need to because they will have a traditional striker. By the way, I'm coming to you from Birmingham uh, today. Uh, we are in town at my in-laws because one of my nephew-in-laws is getting baptized today. So congratulations to baby Jubal and his family and all of the Watts family here. Uh, I love spending time with the in-laws at their house here in Birmingham. Um, so thank you for their hospitality. Okay, again, we only got a couple of questions, so I'm just going to go ahead and dive into those, and then we're going to wrap up this uh, podcast. Nick, friend of the podcast, says he asked me a while ago to pick the final Eastern Conference table from 1 to 14, and I picked Atlanta to make the playoffs. Am I sticking with it? What would your 1 through 7 be today? Thanks. I hope all is well and go Braves. Yeah, the Braves got a big, big win uh, last night, a 3-2 win off of, uh, I think it was Austin Riley with a walk-off uh, single left field. Uh, it was a, a really exciting game. We were trying to watch a little bit of it uh, as we could. I was watching the, the Atlanta United game on my laptop so that they could watch the Braves game on the big screen TV. Um, it looked like a fantastic game. My boy, one of my stepsons, and one of their friends, they all got to go to the game last night. We found some cheap tickets on a website. And so that was kind of a rite of passage for them to go to their first Braves night game uh, by themselves. We were a little bit worried, but they got home okay, and they had a blast and sent us some cool photos. So I'm happy for them, too. So let's go to the standings, and let me give you my one through seven. New England is going to be one. Nashville is going to be two. Having a great season again. The boys in blue, I think, is what they call themselves. Um, I don't see Philadelphia really getting caught. Uh, I think Atlanta United can catch Orlando. So I have New England, Nashville, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Orlando, D.C., and NYCFC. I think Montreal is going to drop out, which is a shame because I think Wilfred Nancy has done a fantastic job. I don't know why uh, Jordi Mihailovic doesn't get more consideration for the U.S. men's national team because he's having a fantastic season. That was a very shrewd trade by Montreal, a horrible trade by Chicago um, before the season. Eliminated from the playoff contention already are Chicago, Toronto with last night's loss, and Cincinnati. 
looking at the West super fast, you've got Seattle, which has already clinched the playoffs. LAFC looks like it may not make the playoffs despite its win yesterday. Uh, the only team eliminated in the West so far is Austin, uh, led by Stone Mountain's Josh Wolf, who is in his second year uh, on the ballot for the National Soccer Hall of Fame. So here's hoping he gets some good news. I've never really spoken to Josh, but everything I've heard is he's a really good guy, so it would be a nice uh, feather in his cap and a feather for soccer in Georgia uh, for Wolf to make it into the National Soccer Hall of Fame. So, Nick, I appreciate your question. Now let's go to the other one. I gotta switch back to my email here really quick. Uh, and this comes from Adam, uh, another friend of the uh, podcast, and I think a Georgia Tech fan, based upon his email handle. Uh, that was nervy, Adam says. It seemed Arahu Joe came back deep and often to receive the ball tonight. Intentional or the player straying too far? It did seem to take away from Atlanta's offense at times when he wasn't available up high. Um, I don't know if he dropped too deep. I think he was just dropping back just to try to relieve pressure. It would be normal for him to do that if the team had a striker. So I don't see why he wouldn't do it last night. And he's quick enough and he's good enough on the ball that he can break pressure all by himself, which may have been part of the thinking as well. Anyway, I thought, I thought he had a good game. He had some awful like pity type shots at times, but he did score the, the winning goal. So he deserves credit for that. Uh, coffee sip before I get to his second question. In my opinion, the defensive shape from the midfield was poor tonight, with too many guys scrambling around, yet leaving men uncovered. I lost track of how often Toronto had possession in the attacking third, when the stripes midfielders were more a cluster than a line. How much of this tonight was the lack of direction on the pitch, the influence of TFC's play, or just an off night? Um... I don't know if I agree with that. I do think part of it is you've only got really two central midfielders, so you're often going to be outnumbered. We saw this against Montreal in this particular formation. When Marino doesn't get back, it's only two. When he does get back, it's three. But he's trying to stay a little bit higher up the field to start counterattacks. So you're often outnumbered. That's when you're kind of relying on one of the center backs to step up and try to man mark guys in dangerous positions. And we saw Miles Robinson do that. Sometimes last night we saw Franco do that. Sometimes last night, I think walks stayed at home more often than not. This is just one of the the byproducts of this false nine formation. Um, if you only have the two guys up top, and neither one are going to win balls in the air, uh, it's tough to to kind of play vertical, which Atlanta United wants to do. Uh, you could play the ball into space behind the defense, but that's low percentage. So you got got to kind of have three guys, one to break the pressure in Marino and two to start trying to attack space that Marino could put the ball into on the ground, which is a more high percentage play for Atlanta United. Um, and then, you know, Bello and, and Lennon as the wingbacks have to kind of stay back too to help before they can get forward. I thought both of them had great games last night too. Um, both kind of went down with injuries at times, but got back up again. Bello hadn't really been able to train with the team for the most of the previous two weeks because he was with the U.S. men's national team. Lennon, I thought, again, had just another really, really solid game. It's kind of a shame that the U.S. men's national team has such a log jam at right back because I do think Lennon deserves at least a look. Uh, I don't know if I would say he's, you know, quality like, like some of the other guys, 
but I do think that he is a much better player than some of y'all give him credit for. Does he have deficiencies? Yes, he does. Um, but his work rate is impeccable. His his attention to detail is impeccable. He puts in decent crosses. He just needs somebody to, to turn them in. Um, so anyway. And then we got one more question from Ben, who I think has sent us questions before. We get a lot of Ben's for some reason. Um, Hi, Doug. Do you think Atlanta will see more suspensions handed out for the incident after the Reds? I don't think so. I do think uh, that even if Barco's red card is rescinded, he may get fined again for um, simulation. The uh, He went down because he looked like um, the Toronto player uh, kind of tried to tackle him from behind. It was pretty weak, and Barco went down like he was shot. So he may get fined again for simulation. He just got fined for simulation, uh, I think, two games ago, I believe it was. Um, so we'll see what the disciplinary committee says about that. And since there were no camera angles on the TSN broadcast, is there any way to find what happened with Altidore to start the whole confrontation that led to the red cards being issued? Yeah, so this was really interesting last night because watching it on television, I was not in Toronto, um, I never saw Barco get a red card. I saw him leave the field, and then I saw in Atlanta United Slack channel that Barco had gotten a red, and we asked, I asked the, the guys who were also covering the team uh, in a break during the postgame interviews if they saw Barco get a red, and none of them said they did. So then I put that question out on Twitter, and uh, Mike Conti, who's live at the game, said they saw the red. Uh, the camera angles didn't show it. It seems like there was a restart in play that Atlanta United allowed, and typically when that happens, when a team gives up possession because another team has a player down or something, that team reciprocates by giving the ball back to the team that gave up possession. Well, it looks like Josie Altador decided he just wanted to go ahead and start dribbling the ball, and Atlanta United took offense to that. Uh, they probably took too much offense. Um, and that started a scuffle between the teams, and that led to Barco and the Toronto player going head-to-head, and on and on it went. Uh, the camera angles weren't great. There was a lot of ground to cover and probably very few cameras to try to cover it, so I'm, I'm not going to really blame the, the camera crew for that. It would have been nice to, to get some sort of video afterward, but Major League Soccer is not going to post a video that makes itself look bad. Neither will Toronto, neither will Atlanta United. Uh, so we're having to kind of figure it out as we go. All right, I don't see any more questions, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this podcast. I've got to get ready to go uh, to this baptism for Baby Jubal. Um, I want to thank you all for listening. Thank you all for uh, continuing to send questions. We're going to have a lot more podcasts coming up because there's quite a lot of games in these next two and a half weeks as Atlanta United makes its run to the playoffs. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I go live on there uh, when I'm not at Mercedes-Benz Stadium um, to talk about the team's lineups and give a little analysis of, of what I think you'll see uh, before the games. So you can follow me there at Douglas David Robertson. I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. A lot of things going on right now. 
The Hawks are about to start a very promising season. The Braves, of course, won game one of the National League Championship Series, trying to compete to go to the World Cup. you got Georgia ranked number one. You've got uh, Kennesaw State with a big win last night. you got Georgia State football continuing its its bounce back or its continuation of progress. you got Georgia State basketball favored to win the Sun Belt, I think I saw. Uh, what else do we got? we got the Dream just hired a new coach. Uh, you got the Falcons playing today under their first-year coach, and we provide coverage of all of that in addition to all your local news and politics and lifestyle and culture and, and all that. So I hope you'll consider subscribing to the paper. I hope you'll consider following and subscribing to the other guys who cover Atlanta United because they all provide fantastic content and they deserve your attention for their work. Um, all right, we're going to wrap up the Southern Fried Soccer podcast. I hope you all have a great Sunday and uh, we'll talk to you later.